1: here this afternoon to celebrate Scott McClanahan and his novel The Sarah Book. Scott McClanahan is a writer, filmmaker, and musician living in West Virginia. His prior books include Hill William and Crapalatia, with his latest The Sarah Book coming out last year to phenomenal praise. The New York Times book review described McClanahan's writing as an elliptical fever dream so contagious that slowing down is not an option. It would be like putting a doorstop in front of a speeding train. And Roxane Gay described the Sarah book as a furious exhalation of love and hurt and hate and tenderness and anger. There is courage in these pages because so much of what McClanahan details is ugly and desperate and raw. Everything, food, drink, love, heartbreak, to excess. We're delighted to have him here today to read and discuss the Sarah book. Please help me welcome Scott McClanahan.
0: I told Sarah I was going to live at Walmart until she changed her mind about the divorce. After I lived there a week, I decided that she wasn't going to change her mind. So each day I sat and watched the buggy boys gather up the buggies and take them inside. I watched the people with handicapped stickers pull all the way up and park in front. I decided to call Sarah and check up on the kids. I told her, well, if you need me, you'll know where to find me. Then I shouted, oh, God! Sarah said, what's wrong? I told her, "Oh, don't worry. I just saw the biggest woman I've ever seen going into Walmart. Wish you could see her." Hold on. Sarah said, "Yeah." Barbara said she saw you in the Walmart parking lot. She asked me why you were there. It's embarrassing people seeing you there, Scott. She told me she needed to give me something, and I knew what she meant. She wanted to give me some money for an apartment. I told her I was going to take any of her blood money, and she told me I would. I told her I wouldn't, and she told me I would. I told her, no, this is where I live now. She told me, no, you don't. Then I thought about reading my children bedtime stories and how this would be no more. I don't need a goddamn blood money, I repeated after we hung up. Then I sat in my car and looked out the parking lot and said, these are my people. This is West Virginia, and they were. And I watched the customers walking from their cars and into the store, and when they came back to their cars, their buggies were full of stuff. One buggy, two buggies, three buggies, four. They were shopping for groceries to take home and make their children grow. I sat in the car and drank my gin from a water bottle. Then when my bladder got full, I went inside and peed. White car pulled up at the end of the parking lot and just sat there. I decided to call the guy driving, Big Pimpin'. And when Big Pimpin' parked, it was always the same. He was this skinny looking little white dude who had dreadlocks. Sat in the white car, then a few minutes later another car pulled up. A redneck looking dude got out and walked over to the white car. And wondered if they ever tried reciting love poems to someone. I watched the redneck dude lean inside the window, looked like they were exchanging something. Then the redneck dude got back in his car and drove away. Then Big Pimpin drove away. I waved to Big Pimpin, but he didn't wave back. It was okay. These were my people. But then, just a few minutes later, Big Pimpin pulled back up again. There was a girl inside the car with him now, and she had dyed-looking blonde hair and a skeleton face. They waited together, and then a blue beat-up van pulled up. The Meth-looking girl got out of the car. She was inside the van for about a half-hour, and then she got out and went back inside Big Pimpin's car. She was trying to put her shoe back on. I sat and thought of my own review of Walmart I could post online. I watched them drive away, and I wrote inside my head, I highly recommend the Walmart parking lot for living in your car after a divorce. The cops don't seem to bother you if you park close to the entrance. I did notice quite a bit of drug-related activity at all hours of the day. There's obviously some prostitution going on in the parking lot as well. Yay, life, four stars. That night, I watched people leaving, and the lights glowed from the parking lot. I went inside and used the bathroom. Looked at CDs for about a half hour, and then I came back out. and moved my car to the other side of the parking lot so the cops wouldn't give me hell. I noticed a text from Sarah that said, We need to talk about getting you some money so you can get an apartment. I wrote back, I'm not taking anything. How come you won't let me recite love poems to you anymore? Seriously. She never texted back. So I leaned my chair all the way back and put my jacket over my head and I slept. I dreamed about people going inside and buying all of the things that made up their lives. I dreamed about the whole world becoming just one big parking lot, and we were all living there thinking about what we could buy. The next day I woke up and someone was knocking on the window. It was Sarah. She was wanting to give me some money for an apartment. I unlocked the car doors and she walked around to the passenger side. There were people going inside the store again and there were some kids playing. Sarah sat down in the passenger seat and said, we have to talk. You have to get out of here and let me give you some money." I rubbed the sleep out of my eyes, and Sarah said, "'Where do you go to the bathroom?' I pointed at the empty Gatorade bottle on the floor, and then I told her I went inside to use the bathroom a lot, too. Snug my toothbrush in each morning, brush my teeth in the sink. I said, and then when I get bored, I go in and play the video games they have set up in the electronics section. It really helps to pass the time. I told her that I loved going inside after midnight and watching all the people of the world shop. They were the people who the rest of the world didn't want. They were the ones who didn't belong anymore. They were the people with amputated arms. They were the people in wheelchairs. They were the people with face tattoos and scars. I was a scar too. I was a giant human scar. And then I felt serious and I said, Walmart is more than a store. Walmart is a state of mind. We laughed and I started to rant told her about people always bitching about Walmart, putting mom and pops out of business and killing the small businesses of our country, but who did the mom and pops put out of business? Who did they fuck over? They fucked over the blacksmiths, but you don't hear the blacksmiths bitching. I told her I was on the side of the blacksmiths. (laughs) (laughs) Then I told her about my dreams. I told her the whole world was going to be like this one day, and the world was just going to be one giant parking lot, and people would live to shop at Walmart and buy stuff. I was quiet for a second. It's going to happen. The people will come and they will bow before it all. Sarah finally had enough and she wasn't letting me talk anymore. She was watching a woman emptying out her buggy and said, you would think that woman has enough beef jerky. She looked at me and said, Scott, I'm going to give you something. I don't want you living here
1: anymore. I was going to change the subject again, and then I told her my life wasn't just
0: money to get an apartment. I told her nobody could read bedtime stories to our children like me. I told her I hoped I meant more than a little bit of money to make someone feel better. I told her I'd stay here for the rest of my life if I had to. And I didn't believe in the stories the world tells us to make people feel better about themselves. And I told her I didn't have enough money to get an apartment anyway. Sarah said, well, I have a way to fix that for you. I have a check for you. She reached into her purse and pulled it out. She told me it was from part of our savings at the credit union. And I told her that she wasn't going to buy my ass off so easy. I wasn't just someone you'd give money to, and they shut the fuck up. Sarah tried to hand me the check, but I wouldn't take it. She told me it was $4,000, and then she threw it on my lap. The check said, $4,000. So I did what life teaches you to do when someone wants to give you money. I shut the fuck up, and I took it. I took it because my life was worth $4,000. Finally, Sarah got out of the car without saying goodbye. I didn't say thank you, but she didn't say you're welcome, and Sarah went sat down in her car, and then she drove away. As she was driving away, I felt the need to say something to her. I wanted to say how much she meant to me, how much fun we'd had, and how that's what no one ever talks about or can explain, the fun. And fights, too. We had the best fights. And where did it go? Instead, I just looked at the check and thought, Sarah has such nice handwriting. Another reason I love her. Went to the bank and I deposited the check. Instead of going somewhere else, I came back and sat in Walmart parking lot. Watch the people go inside, watch them fill up the buggies and forget all about their pain. I knew that all the people would be coming soon, and so I decided to join them and become one of them for a moment. I got out of my car and walked, walked towards Walmart and glowed in front of me like a temple. I walked and walked, and then I saw Big Pimpin. He sat for a few moments, and then another car pulled up beside him. I watched him park, and then I waved at him. This time, instead of ignoring me like he usually did, Big Pimpin raised his hand up, and then he nodded at me and said hello, and we were friends now. So I went inside and saw the aisles rise like castles before me, and there was beef jerky and almonds and chicken wings, pizza bites and cheese. All kinds of cheese, steak, pork chops, crackers and cereal. There was fruity pebbles and potato skins and soda, mountain lightning soda. And there was Red Bull, dot Red Bull, beer, light beer, dark beer, pistachios, juice boxes for the kids, air mattresses to sleep on instead of beds. And there were CDs and there were DVDs, saline solution for my contacts, potato chips, and dip for potato chips. I had $4,000 to spend, and there were things here to keep me alive, and so I walked among the aisles. I could see outside in the parking lot, and the people were coming for a coronation of some sort. And I was their father, and they were my children, and I was reading them a bedtime story. And so I walked among them, because these were my people, and this was my kingdom. They would all be bowing soon. This was the new country we'd made from the skeleton of the old one, and I was their king of beef jerky. And I was their emperor of soda. Later that night, I opened up the container of chicken wings, and I pulled one out. I held the wing upside down, all possum style, then I put it to my mouth. I ripped at the skin and garbled it down, and I felt myself getting fat, and I felt the whole world getting fat. I tore the meat from the chicken bone. I felt the chicken wing sauce sting on my lips and on the sides of my cheeks. Then I talked to the chicken wings like they were still alive. And I asked what the future held for me. And the chicken wings just laughed and whispered a single word. Pain. I asked the chicken wings what the future held for all of us. What the future held for you people. The chicken wings just laughed and whispered. Pain. Then they laughed some more like maniacs, and the chicken wings told me I was going to lose my mind starting now. Someone else was reading us a good night. I would want to die every day, and there was a good chance that I wouldn't make it out alive. They said I was getting ready to live the worst part of my life. They said the planet Earth was dying anyway, and they said the end had come, and it was the day of judgment. Global warming, and now the day of judgment was coming soon. They said human beings were over and done with and that the chicken wings were taking over. I just leaned back in my seat and smiled and said, this sounds like a good time. This sounds like fun. So I saw myself far in the future, in front of an audience of strangers in the city of LA. And I was their father, and they were my children. And I was reading them a bedtime story. Children like music when you read them a bedtime story. I was reading them, Father Bear Comes Home. Father Bear Comes Home. Guess what, said Little Bear. What, said Hen. Father Bear is coming home today. Where was he, said Hen? Fishing, said Little Bear. Out on the ocean. Far out on the ocean. My, said Hen. Yes, said Little Bear. And what if he saw a mermaid? A mermaid, said Hen. Yes, a little mermaid, said little bear. Ooh, said hen. I want to see her. I'm coming home with you. They walked along and there was duck. Hello, duck, said little bear. Father bear is coming home today. Guess where he was? Where? asked duck. Fishing. Out in the ocean. Out where the mermaids are. Maybe. Yes, said hen. We were going to see one? What is a mermaid like? said duck. "'A mermaid,' said Little Bear. "'A mermaid is very pretty. "'A mermaid's hair is blue and green, "'like the ocean, blue and green. "'She's coming home with Father Bear?' asked him. "'Ooh,' said Duck, "'I want to see her, too. "'I'm coming home with you, too.' "'They walked along, and there was Little Bear's house, "'and there was Father Bear. "'He had come home. "'Little Bear ran to Father Bear and hugged him. "'Father Bear hugged Little Bear.' And Father Bear said hello to Hen and Duck. We came to see the mermaid, said Hen. Her hair is blue and green, said Duck. Her eyes are silver like the moon, said Little Bear. And she is very pretty, said Hen. How nice, said Father Bear. Where is she? You have her, said Hen and Duck. Oh, said Father Bear. He looked at Little Bear. No mermaid, asked Little Bear. No, said Father Bear, no Little Mermaid. Well, said him. My, said Duck. They all looked at Little Bear. I said maybe, said Little Bear. I did say maybe. Come now, said Father Bear. See what I have for you all. Seashells. You can hear the ocean in them. And maybe you can hear the mermaids too. Maybe. A little orphan came to our house to stay, washed the cups sauce up, brush the comes away, and shoot the chickens off the porch and dust the harp to sweep, make the fire, and bake the bread and earn a board to keep. And all us other children when the supper things done was sit around the table and have the most fun. Listening to the witches' tales then tells about, and the goblins get you too if you don't watch out.
1: And once there was a little
0: boy who never said his prayers. And when he went to bed one night away up on them stairs, his mom heard him holler and his dad married him ball. And when he turned his little covers down, he wasn't there at all. They seeked him in the rafter room and the hold press and they seeked him in the chimney never wear I guess. But all they ever found was this little pants and roundabout. And the gallons beaching too if you don't watch out. Once there was a little girl, she always laughed and grinned. She made fun of everyone all the blood and kin. once when there was company and the old folks were there, well, she mocked him and she shocked him and she said she didn't care. When she kicked the heels up, she went to running hide, there was a big old monster standing by her side, and snatched her through the ceiling floor for she knew what she was about. And goblins get you too if you don't watch out. Last verse, listen up. The little orphan says, when the blaze is blue and the whip light sputters in the windows, she says this, you better mind your parents and you teach your teachers to deal. You better cherish them that love you. And you better draw the orphans' tear. You. you better help the poor needy ones as they cluster all about. The motherfucking goblins get you too if you don't watch out. Thank you. Yes sir. Was that the, like that was so good right? And then everyone. Use, and then that's like the first time you've done that or like? Uh, that? I think I've done that like two other times. It's and I edited out all the boring parts of Father Bear Comes Home. Like, <laughs> satisfaction in the tank. went on a little bit too long. Yeah, it went, went on about 30 seconds too long. <laughs> yeah, you show up at these places though and hopefully nobody's taped the one before and then you can you know, rehearse and practice shit! <laughs> <Right. Right. Right. laughs> <sort of> <laughs> Anyone else Thank you so Were there any writers that have inspired your style of reading? Oh, that's a good question um I don't know there's like I guess there's been like this long history or tradition. I know I read a book about uh, Chaucer years ago and they said that at that time you would not read silently like all reading was done out loud right and um, there's something childlike about this, isn't there you know it's like we're all in kindergarten again and you know, teachers reading us a story. It's kind of primal uh, almost. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's an American poet, uh, Bachel Lindsay, I believe is how you pronounce his name, right? He was forgotten now but, through big crowds and don Thomas and some, of these, some of these things I've done before, I've like stolen from other things. There's this magic trick <laughs> that I stole from a Jim Carroll book where you'd say like, uh, uh, it'll be a can of tomato soup, but you have a chicken noodle soup really, you just tore off the, the <laughs> Tomato soup in front of it, and then you make and turn it into a chicken noodle soup, and I stole them. No, Thank yeah, Darren, got any
1: advice for the people
0: at Walmart that want to write? <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. I think they're doing all right for themselves. <laughs> you know, uh, keep a keep a clean head and nose. Carry a light bulb. Right, just what Bob Dylan says. Uh, do that, it will be all right. Yeah, Walmart's wonderful. I was actually quoted in the New York Times this summer in the John Williams column. I guess they read some interviewer. So that William Blake would love Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> the romantic notion of the uh, world. <laughs> All the flesh of humanity crowded together. Purchasing things. Thing <laughs> Anyone else? Okay, thank you for coming. Uh, I guess I'm signing books. And if uh, you want to buy one, uh, that would be great. <laughs> see, you, see you later. <laughs>